1: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast analyzing trashy bestsellers from a literary perspective, and today we're looking at Chapter 23 of Breaking Dawn, Memories. And so where we left off, Bella met Renezme, got confirmation that Renezme was real. And then she found out that Jacob imprinted on her baby and she freaked the fuck out. And she <laughs> was like, I'm so mad. And he said, and also I nicknamed her Nessie. And she was like, that's it. I'm going to tear your throat out. So <laughs> that's where we pick up. Well, actually, no, we don't pick up there. We end on that cliffhanger and then she does a time jump and we're picking up this chapter with the conflict resolved. That I don't understand. The very last sentence. And then I lunged for his throat last chapter. And this chapter, it picks up with Edward apologizing to Seth that he should have been closer because Seth had jumped in between Jacob and Bella and got in between them and gotten hurt. And so now everyone's apologizing to Seth for him being collateral damage. And we're just not seeing the confrontation. This is very Stephanie Meyer. We build up to a conflict that. Either doesn't happen or we don't get to see it. I don't know what her deal is. What is your damage, Heather? Like, give us the fight scene. So Edward's apologizing to Seth and Bella feels bad that Edward's apologizing. She's like, I didn't think it was either fair or appropriate for Edward to be apologizing. She says, after all, Edward hadn't completely and inexcusably lost control of his temper. It wasn't Edward that had tried to rip Jacob's head off. Jacob, who wouldn't even phase to protect himself. And it wasn't Edward who accidentally broke Seth's shoulder and collarbone when he jumped in between. It wasn't Edward that had almost killed his best friend. So now she's playing, playing the victim for how she got angry and tried to tear Jacob's throat out. But she's like, I don't know what world she's living in. She said it was inexcusable, her loss of temper. And I don't know, I don't know if it is. I can excuse it, doll. Your, your best friend's imprinted on your baby. That's a pretty good excuse as far as excuses go. But no, she's doing the whole sad sack routine, complaining about how she has a temper now. She says, not that the best friend didn't have a few things to answer for, but obviously nothing Jacob had done could have mitigated my behavior. And so she's like, shouldn't I be the one apologizing? And it's like, well, I don't know. They're all tiptoeing around you because they know newborn vampires struggle to control their emotions. So I don't think it's that bad. That you couldn't control your emotions. That's what we were all expecting. And that's maybe why they shouldn't have revealed that your best friend's imprinted on your baby. Maybe Edward should be the one apologizing. I don't know, but she's all upset about it. And Seth's like, don't worry, Bells. He's like, no one's judging you. You're doing so well. And she was like, ugh, no one's even gonna let me finish a sentence. She's trying to apologize and everyone's cutting her off and she's getting annoyed about that. Then she says, I knew that Jacob didn't deserve my overreaction. I don't think it is an overreaction. And okay, maybe he doesn't deserve it since he had no choice in the imprinting, but it's still creepy. We've just gotten over the whole imprinting thing so quickly. It's like Stephanie doesn't want Bella to be mad at it for too long because then we'll actually see how creepy it is. She wants to sweep the creepiness under the rug and just wants us to accept it. So her main character, Bella, is just accepting it. And she says, I tried to erase the anger from my system entirely, but it was hard knowing that Jacob was outside with Renesmee right now, keeping her safe from me, the crazed newborn. So she's not upset that he will one day want to marry and bang her daughter. She's just upset that she has to share her daughter with Jacob. It's a territorial thing. So she's still apologizing to Seth. Seth's like, don't worry about it, babe. I'm a werewolf. I heal quickly. I'll be fine in half an hour. And he says, at least you didn't bite me or anything. That would have sucked. I don't know if Seth's intentionally doing a pun there, but there it is. And so she buries her face in her hands and she shudders at the thought, at the very real possibility. She says it could have happened so easily. And werewolves didn't react to vampire venom the same way humans did. They'd only told me that now. It was poison to them. So she's acting oblivious, being like, oh, I didn't know that vampire venom could harm a werewolf. Where were you in the whole werewolf versus vampire fight in Eclipse, Dull? I know you were off in some tent, but like, open up your fucking ears. Of course the venom works differently on werewolves. She's like, ah, it was news to me. How's, I don't know. I don't know, having some sort of awareness about the supernatural that's around you, perhaps? And then Seth says, well, it's lucky that Nessie, she's not venomous because she bites Jake all the time. And she's like, "Uh, oh, she does? And he says, sure, whenever he and Rose don't get dinner in her mouth fast enough, Rose thinks it's pretty hilarious. And so she's shocked, but also feeling guilty because she's pleased that Renesmee's biting Jacob. This is all very odd to me. I don't know why she's biting Jacob so much. It sort of makes me think like, yeah, she's a supernatural monster child. She's a demon baby. She's biting people all the time. And then she says, of course, I already knew that Renesmee wasn't venomous. I was the first person she'd bitten. And I do wish we'd go back to that. It's like, yeah, why'd she bite her mum? Like, I know she's a baby. She hasn't got all the facilities, blah, blah, fucking blah. But like, yeah, why did that vampire baby bite her? Was it for the blood? Does this not make the case that she's a demon spawn? I preferred my theory that Renesmee was biting her to turn her into a vampire quicker because Edward was fart assing around with the morphine before injecting her with his venom. I prefer that theory. And she's all like, oh, yeah, I-, I know she's not venomous because she bit me and I was fine. And yet she turned into a vampire three minutes later. So like, how do you know for sure that she wasn't venomous, Bells? She's taking that as evidence. She's like, oh, 100 percent. Renesmee's not venomous because when she bit me. I wasn't a vampire, I was only a vampire a few minutes later. And how is she not venomous? I don't understand the mechanics of this kid. She sleeps like a human. She doesn't age like a human or a vampire. She's her own thing in that respect. She drinks blood, but she's not a vampire. She just likes the taste of it. I don't, and then she's biting people all the time for some reason, because she's got a full set of teeth because she's, she's a freak of fucking nature. So Carlyle finishes wrapping up Seth in a cast or whatever. And then he says, Seth, stay still. And Seth's like, cool. And he has a little nap. Bella gets off the couch. She goes to the window and stares out. Leah's pacing around the house. Leah's pissed off and anxious, of course. Jacob and Rosalie are also out the front steps, bickering over whose turn it is to feed Renesmee. They had decided to keep Renesmee away from Bella while she was having her little temper tantrum. And she's annoyed by that, even though it makes fucking sense. Emmett, Alice, and Esme, they're off hunting. And Jasper's also standing guard, watching out for Bella because he's the newborn expert. And he can also read her mood, which it doesn't take a a genius to do, but yeah, he can read her mood. So he's invaluable just staring at her. And so she takes this moment of quiet to catch us up on what she's learned off chapter. In between that temper tantrum and now she'd learned a lot of things apparently. So she fills us in. We could have just been experiencing this with her. I don't know why we're now getting a reflective moment. I'm not sure why we're doing this, but anyway, so she thinks about how while she was passed out, uh, the pack and the vampires renegotiated the treaty. She says the feud with Sam's pack had ended and the truce was stronger than ever or more binding depending on your viewpoint, which I'm not buying into this whole truce treaty thing. They just broke all of the rules And now it's stronger than ever because of a loophole with Jacob imprinting on a kid. She explains how the pack's ultimate (laughs) law is that no wolf would ever kill the object of another wolf's imprinting. She says the pain of such a thing would be intolerable for the whole pack. The fault, whether intended or accidental, could not be forgiven. The wolves involved would fight to the death. There was no other option. Well, I don't know. There could have been other options if that were to happen. I'm sure there'd be other options. Maybe just like don't go into wolf form if it's that painful. You know what I mean? Like, don't have that mind connection. Break away from the pack, perhaps, uh, if you really wanted to. I don't know. I think we could brainstorm another option, but I get what she's saying. It's, it's a big no-no to kill someone else's imprintee. And Seth says it had actually happened a long, long time ago by accident, but no one's ever done it on purpose. She said, no wolf would ever intentionally destroy a brother that way. And I just don't appreciate how she's saying brother, even though she knows Leah's also in the pack. It's like they accept Leah, but then they also conveniently erase her from the conversation by just saying brother and and just like continuing to gender the wolf experience just because she's potentially infertile. She's just not a real woman. Remember that argument? Oh, jeez. So Renesmee is untouchable now because of the way Jacob felt about her. And Sam can't get mad about Bella's transformation because Jacob speaking as the rightful alpha has allowed it. And I do think there was wiggle room there for perhaps them still saying that's breaking the treaty considering uh, he, he was on his own little mini pack. He might've had the lineage, but they didn't negotiate who was the alpha, but okay. Anyway, she's like, I'm realizing how much I owe to Jacob for solving all of my problems. And also, even though she just said Jacob's the true alpha, there's still the two separate packs. So it's still just Jacob, Leah and Seth and the others led by Sam. And there's no mind connection between them. But now that there's two alphas, the alphas can speak to each other and they will form. And they can do that at great distances. So by the fact that there is still two alphas would suggest that perhaps the other alpha can determine the treaty and what constitutes breaking the treaty. But no, it's all just been tied up in a neat little package. And they all found this out when Jacob went over to Sam's to explain that he'd imprinted on Renesmee. And Sam was like, oh, you've imprinted on a baby. Say no more. I'm on your side. So then he comes back and talks to Carlisle. Edward was busy with Bella being a corpse, so he wasn't there to translate. So they spoke out loud. The treaty was renewed. Everyone's super fucking happy and she says, one big worry down. (laughs) So great, I'm glad, Bella. But the other thing that's worrying her is Charlie. He's still calling the house being like, What's up with Bella? Is she still in Atlanta getting studied by the CDC? They're still being cagey. And even though she's been exhibiting remarkable self-restraint, she hasn't killed the hikers. She's a completely different type of newborn. She still hasn't twigged that she might be able to see Charlie sooner than she thinks. And so she's thinking perhaps it might be kindest to Charlie to tell Charlie that she's dead. And then she thinks, would I be able to lie still in a coffin while he and my mother cried over me? So she thinks in this scenario, she can't keep up a relationship with Charlie because she might be tempted to kill him because he's human and she's a vampire. So they would tell Charlie that she died and then she'd lie there faking being dead while he's sobbing over her corpse. And she doesn't think that maybe she would be tempted to kill him in that moment. It's like, well, if you've got enough restraint in the coffin to play dead and not kill him while he's standing in the same room, perhaps you don't need to play dead. I don't know if she's reconciled that disconnect. And then she brings up the Volturi as being her other concern. She says, it didn't seem right to me to put them in danger because of the Volturi's obsession with secrecy. And yeah, the Volturi say they're obsessed with secrecy and yet their secretary was a human. I know they were gonna kill her eventually, but like her secretary was a human. Bella's been told about vampires and there's been no repercussions of that yet. Remember when they were in Italy, the Volturi were like, oh no, she knows about vampires, we'd have to kill her. And Alice just said, oh, don't worry about it. I've seen a potential future. One of like a billion possibilities where she's also a vampire. And they were like, oh great. Well, that doesn't break our rules then. We'll just check in and see if she's been turned into a vampire like in the next 10 years. So why can't they just do the same for Charlie? Maybe because Arrow will know they're lying. I don't know. So she thinks the best plan is to let Charlie see her when she's ready for that and let him make his own wrong assumptions. She says technically the vampire rules would remain unbroken. Although like, I don't know if the Volturi will care about that technicality if it comes to it. Can you imagine if Arrow comes down and is like, what, this guy's hanging around all these vampires? He must know that vampires exist. And Bella being like, ah, 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 actually, we haven't said anything. He's come up with his own assumptions. And then Arrow would be like, oh, my mistake. Please carry on. Like, that's not the trump card you think it is, Bells. But then she thinks she can't do that because her eyes would be too frightening for Charlie because she'll have blood red eyes. So she'll have to wait and not see him until her eye color changes. Like, color contacts exist, Dahl, or maybe wear a pair of sunnies or something. Like, what the fuck? Maybe just invite him to a masquerade ball and sort it out there. Like, she's just basing it all around her eye color. Even if she did have the restraint not to kill him, if she saw him, like, uh, obviously, Detective Charlie, who had a vampire under his roof for like every night for a year, and he didn't notice, he would immediately notice that her eye color had changed. I don't know if he would. I don't even know if he'd look her in the eyes. Just put the game on and he'd be watching that, honestly. So while she's spiraling about that, Jasper, he picks up on the tension and he's like, Bells, what's wrong? No one's mad at you. And she's like, oh, that, I'm not, I'm not worried about people being mad at me. I'm thinking about Charlie, actually. And so Bella says, we really have to leave, don't we? For a while at least and pretend we're in Atlanta or something. And Jasper's like, yes to protect your father. That's what we have to do. And she's like, oh, jeez." And she broods. She says, I brooded for a moment. I'm going to miss him so much. I'll miss everyone here. And it's like, well, you still chose to become a vampire bitch. Don't act like this is all unexpected. You went into your wedding knowing that this was going to happen. You made peace with it then. These are your decisions. Buck up with the consequences, duh. I don't wanna hear no sad sack sobbing. And then she's worried about how much she'll miss Jacob. And I'm thinking, Dahl, you haven't realized the imprinting implications if you think you guys can just pack up and go to Atlanta or wherever and that Jacob's not gonna follow you. She's thinking like, oh God, I bet Jacob's not gonna be happy when we, when we leave and he can no longer see Renezme. It's like, what world are you living in, Dahl? That's never gonna happen. And then she thinks back on her human life, how she sort of wished that Jacob would be a part of her family like a brother. And she's sort of like, well, I guess I've got that now that he's gonna wanna be banging my kid. And she says, I remembered one of the many times that I'd told Jacob goodbye, wondering aloud who he would end up with and who would make his life right after what I'd done to it. I had said something about how whoever she was, she wouldn't be good enough for him. And she's like, well, (laughs) she's eaten her words on that one (laughs) because he ended up imprinting on her kid. So she's worried that the separation from Renesmee would cause him pain. And that sort of makes her feel glad because she's still territorial and jealous and possessive over his connection with Rinesme. She says, how was I supposed to deal with having her belong to Jacob when she only barely seemed to belong to me? Maybe she belongs to herself. Like I know she's a baby, but she's also a freak of fucking nature. So maybe she's her own thing. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus, big comfort for everyone.
0: Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase.
1: So then there's a flurry of activity. Everyone starts to gather around. They are all coming back into the house. And Edward says, Oh, it must be six, as in six o'clock. And she's like, yeah, and? And Carlyle says, oh, it's time to measure Ness. Uh, I mean, Renesme. So even Carlyle's calling her Ness, which is just so funny. They all think that name's a mouthful. <laughs> and so she's like, oh, you measure her every day? And Carlyle says, yeah, four times a day, actually, which seems a bit over the top. Like she's growing rapidly at an accelerated rate and we can all see it with our own very eyes. I don't know if we need to whip out the tape measure every single, what, four hours? Eight hours? I'm not that good with math. What's What's four times? So every six hours? But like hearing it, like I get it. I get it. They just want to get a rate of growth established. That seems obvious, right? But Bella's like four times a day, every day. Why? It's like because she's growing like no one's ever grown before, idiot. And so Edward explains it and says she's still growing quickly. Like, oh, wow. Thanks for the explanation, Professor. Like that's just oh, she would never have been able to crack that code. This baby that was birthed in three weeks. So Renesma gets brought in and she looks at her and she's like, oh yeah, she has grown in the past hour. She says human eyes never would have detected it, but it was there. You know, with her vampire eyes, she can see that she's grown. And I don't know if it would require vampire eyes to see that a kid born three days ago looks like a toddler, but she breaks it down for us. She says her body was slightly longer just a little bit slimmer, okay? I don't know if we should be like fat shaming the child. Her face wasn't quite as round. It was more oval by one minute degree. I mean, a degree's a degree. Unless it's a small degree. I don't know what she's talking about. Her ringlets hung a 16th of an inch lower. So her hair's grown a 16th of an inch, okay? So carlyle has got the measuring tape and he's just measuring this kid. And she's like, yeah, actually, now that I think about it, She did mature from a single cell to a normal-sized baby in the course of a few weeks. Uh, Yeah, where have you been? I know you were knocked out for three days, but this baby had accelerated growth when you were still with it. And she thinks she looked well on her way to being a toddler just days after her birth. If this rate of growth held, dot, dot, dot. She says, my vampire mind had no trouble with the math. And like, okay, I know I did just have some trouble with the math like three minutes ago, but yeah, it doesn't take a vampire mind to realize that a kid growing up quickly grows up quickly but she's all horrified she's like oh no she's going to be an adult any minute and i don't i don't know what's so terrifying about that like i think she's growing in proportion it's not like it's not like she's benjamin button or anything like i i, I think she'll be fine but they're all horrified now that she's realized that she's growing quickly i don't know i don't know how that's a realization and jacob's like i think it's slowing And Carlisle and that are like, we don't know that. It'll take a few more days of measurements to see the trend. And he says, here's a trend for you. Yesterday, she grew two inches. Today, it's less. And Carlisle says, well, it's actually only less by a 32nd of an inch, which seems pedantic, but they're very pedantic about it. Carlisle says, if my measurements are perfect. And Jacob says, be perfect, doc. What's all this drama for? I've accepted that she's gonna be like a, a, an 18 year old in two weeks. Surely Jacob would be happy with that because the quicker she hits puberty, the quicker it's game on. And Carlyle says to Jacob, I'll do my best. And Jacob says, that's all I can ask. And Bella's getting annoyed being like, that's my fucking line. She says, I felt irritated again, like Jacob was stealing my lines and delivering them all wrong. So that's her main concern here, that, that Jacob's playing the parent card slash worried boyfriend card. And she can't. And then may starts squirming. She's getting annoyed. She's sick of being measured four times a day, every six hours or so. She can't handle it. And Rosalie's like holding the baby. And she's like, oh, she wants Bella. And Bella's like, okay, I can hold her. I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm not that thirsty. I'm in control. Yeah, I had a temper tantrum and Seth almost died just an hour ago, but I'm fine. So she takes hold of Nessie and Nessie touches her. And she sends Bella a memory and it's a memory of Bella charging Jacob and hurting Seth, which okay, I think Nessie was being a little bit of a see next Tuesday in that moment. Like Bella's just been kicking herself over hurting Seth and losing control. And Renesma's just like, remember when this happened? And she's like, yes, I fucking remember. It was an hour ago, kid. So yeah, that's a, a bitch move from Nessie, honestly, bitch move. But she also notices that Nessie's memory is like focused on Jacob. And she says, I tasted a new flavor to the memory as she watched Jacob. I got the distinct impression that she was glad Seth had put himself in front of my spring. She didn't want Jacob hurt. He was hers. So Nessie like full is crushing on Jacob, like mother, like daughter, I guess. And she's jealous. She's like, oh, jeez, perfect, great my kid loves Jacob more than me. And Edward says it's just because he tastes better than the rest of us. So when she's been biting Jacob, is she like having a little nibble on him? All right. I don't think I processed that the first time I read that. She's been biting Jacob because he tastes good, suggesting that she's having a nosh, suggesting that he's just like a blood donor for her. No wonder she likes him. It's It's the one source of human blood that's around. Like, yeah, she'd be all jazzed. Even though she drinks blood and she's half vampire, so she should be repulsed by him and his werewolf smell. Oh, none of it makes sense. Anyway, so she's she's drinking his blood. Is that what they're getting at? Like maybe not in large quantities, but she's having a little snack. But Jacob doesn't mind that he's a walking blood bag. He's like, I told you guys she likes me too. And then Nessie starts sending more memories to Bella, but they're just much more boring. She's like, oh, Bella, here's here's an image of Rosalie brushing my hair. And Bella's like, oh, wow, that's great. And she's like, oh, here's a memory of Carlisle measuring me. And Bella's like, yeah, fucking thrilling. I just saw it happen. And Edward's like, oh, she's going to give you a rundown on everything you missed. They actually think it's charming. I think it's boring personally, but Bella's jazzed by it. She's watching it like it's bloody Avatar 2. She's, she's rapt. But then Nessie, she's an idiot. She's growing quickly, but she's... Still got the brains of of like a two-month-old or a two-day-old because then she shows her newborn vampire mother a memory of human blood, her drinking a cup of human blood. And so then everyone freaks out that Bella's going to lose it. So a lot goes down. They rip the baby out of her arms. Jasper's freaking out. But Bella's fine. And Edward's like, oh, she was remembering the taste of human blood and sent that to Bella. And Bella's like, yes, and? Like she's an improv genius. She's like, yes, and like nothing happened, idiot. And so everyone's like, oh, okay, all right, carry on. And Jasper, he is just thrown by that. He's like, what the fuck? How could she be feeling the memory of human blood and still be calm and cool and collected? So he says, I can't do this. He says, I can't bear it. And he just leaves. So, okay, your services are no longer needed, I guess, Jasper. The newborn vampire slash mood reader, he's out. He's left the building. And Esme and Emma and Alice are still off hunting. I thought we were gonna have like everyone there to keep an eye on Bella in case they needed to restrain her. Like newborn vampires are super fucking strong. So they needed like eight of them around at all times in case they had to restrain her. But nah, they're taking shifts. That is leaving her alone. Not a care in the world. So then Nessie touches Bella and sends her an image of what just happened with Jasper leaving. And there's like an echo of a question in her thoughts. And Bella says she's already completely used to this gift now. She says, I was already over the shock of her odd little gift. It seemed an entirely natural part of her, almost to be expected. Maybe now that I was part of the supernatural myself, I would never be a skeptic again. When was she a skeptic? I don't ever remember Bella being that skeptical. I mean, this weird guy in biology class had nice skin, He looks like he thought she stunk and he took a sick day when it was sunny. And she was like, oh, well, he's a vampire. She figured that out in like three days, one work week. She was like, oh, I've, I've clocked it. You're cold to the touch. You don't like the sun. You're a vampire. So where's the skeptic in all of that? And then when her best friend went through puberty and stacked on like 800 pounds of muscle in like one day, And he was burning to the touch. She was like, what's going on with you? Oh, you're a werewolf. She's never once been skeptical, this bitch. And now she's like, I guess I'm no longer a skeptic. Like that's a character journey for her. So Edward gives us the rundown on Jasper. He's like, oh, Jasper will be fine. He's just readjusting his perspective on life. He had a hard time adjusting to becoming a vampire. So he thought you would too. And now he's thinking that maybe like he's the problem. He's thinking that maybe with the right focus and attitude, anyone could do as well as Bella and he feels bad about all the people he killed for years. And Carlyle says, well, maybe what Bella's doing goes beyond the natural. Maybe this is her gift. And she's like, whoa, she's like spun out by that. She says, for a tiny space, I was disappointed. She goes, what, no magic visions, no formidable offensive abilities like shooting lightning bolts from my eyes or something, nothing helpful or cool at all and she's disappointed. And yet I thought last chapter she had this whole big resolution that loving Edward and loving Renesmee was her gift. Her gift was loving someone more than that. anyone's ever loved anyone. And she was like that's my gift, I'm super happy. And now someone said that self-control might be her gift and she was like oh what a fucking bummer. I'd rather read minds or do something cool. But then she's like oh well I guess self-control's a good gift could have been nothing. She's being really pessimistic about this, even though like this could be the gift that changes everything for you. You can go and hang out with Charlie. You know, you're not murdering your newborn daughter. You're not murdering random hikers in the woods. Like this could be a good thing. You don't have to be so dejected about it. So then she's like, I guess, I guess it would be nice not to kill people and stay in hiding. And I guess I could see Charlie. She's just trying to bring herself around to this idea. (laughs) But then she's like, oh, no, I can't see Charlie. Even if I do have remarkable self-control, he would know something's up straight away because of my eyes and my beautiful face and my voice. She says, I'm terrified of seeing Charlie and seeing his eyes pop as he took in my new face and my new skin. Bitch, I don't think you look that different. Your new skin, you were always pale as all hell. And so now you're just a little bit more pale and... Maybe you just look a bit more snatched. Just say you had Botox. I can assure you, Charlie's not been looking at you that closely. And she says again, I was chicken enough to wait for a year while my eyes cooled. She says, I don't wanna know that he's frightened, wondering what dark explanation would form in his head. Even though that was just her idea, like a little while ago, she was like, I'll just let him come to his own assumptions. Now she's worried about that. And it's all because her eyes will be red, even though she could just get colored contacts, like, come on. So Edward says to Carlyle, have you ever seen an equivalent to self-control as a talent? Do you think that's just a gift or is it just a result of all of her preparation? And Carlyle says, oh, it's quite similar to what Siobhan has. And Rosalie's like, oh, Siobhan, your friend in Ireland, I wasn't aware that she had a gift. And Carlyle's like, yeah, well, she doesn't really think she has a gift, but she has this way of deciding her goals and then almost willing them into reality. She considers it good planning but I've always wondered if it was something more. When she included Maggie in the coven, for instance, uh, Liam was very territorial, but Siobhan wanted it to work out and, and so it did. So I don't know, that's, that's a bit of a cop-out. It could just be, you know, determination and planning and the power of positive thinking. I don't know if that's a gift, just that someone achieves their goals. That seems like a cop-out, but can we just take a moment? To acknowledge that we've just met three Irish characters and they're called Siobhan, Liam, and Maggie. Like, do you think Stephanie just Googled, like, popular Irish names and that's what she came up with? I'm surprised we didn't have a Seamus. It's very like the JK Rowling school of naming characters. So they just prattle on about achieving goals and how that could be a talent. Meanwhile, Nessie's just sending more boring images to Bella and she's wrapped with that. And she realises that she's just standing up holding Renesmee and she's super comfortable. She's like, I don't even need to sit down. I'm perfectly comfortable standing. It's just as restful as stretching out on a bed would be. But then she notices that the other vampires in the room are sitting down and she's like, oh, they must do that out of habit because humans would notice if they were standing around for hours. When would humans be hanging around the vampires with them standing around for hours? Like, how much interaction are these Cullens having with humans outside of the high school? And it's like, you're not just gonna go to high school and stand up in the classroom all day. She acts like they're doing it just to like blend in, but like, yeah, you have to sit down in class, Bella. But she's looking around and she's like, oh, even now I see Rosalie brush her fingers through her hair, Carlyle's crossing his legs. She's like, oh, these little human tics that I'm gonna now have to pretend to do. It's like, no one's around. <laughs> Maybe that's just something that they do. I don't know if it's to deceive humans when there's no fucking humans in the house. So that was a weird little sidebar while Renesmee is just feeding her images. I guess she's bored with Renesmee or her vampire mind is just so competent she can focus on many things at the same time. So then after an hour of boring memories, like seriously, how much has a baby seen in a couple of days to be feeling that length of time with images. Like, I don't know. After an hour, she starts to fall asleep. So the images are starting to get a bit blurry at the edges. Nessie falls asleep and then she picks up Nessie's hand and like puts it up against her skin so that she can see Nessie's dreams, which is fun. And she's like, oh, I'm popping up in her dreams quite a bit. That's nice. But then (laughs) so do Edward, so do Rosalie and Jacob. Jacob appears more than Edward even about the same as Bella's face appears. And she says, I tried not to let that get to me, but like it clearly is getting to her. So then Edward says, finally, and she's like, what's he talking about? But then she notices that it's sundown and then Alice, Emma and Esme, they're jumping over the river. They're coming back and also Jasper as well. So he's cooled off from his little existential crisis. And everyone's smiling at her. And she's like, wow, everyone's being so nice to me. This is lovely. And so Alice comes in and she has an everyday brass key with an oversized pink satin bow tied around it. And she gives the key to Bella and she says, happy birthday. And Bella says, oh, you idiot. No one starts counting on the actual day of birth. I can't believe that it's just been just one day since she woke up. It feels like forever. She says, your first birthday is at the year mark, Alice. I reminded her. Like, she's really thinking that Alice is that dumb. She's like, oh, Alice, sweetie, no. Um, birthdays start a year later. Like, I don't know if you remember human things since you're a vampire. Um, Yeah, sorry. I don't know if you know how the world works, but like, this is how it works. And Alice is like, of course I fucking know that, bitch. It's your actual human birthday. It's September 13th, Bella. And she says, happy 19th birthday. So Alice is still positive. If I was Alice, I'd be like, don't human explain to me, please, bitch. But Alice takes it in her stride. She says, happy 19th birthday. And I forgot that Bella's like just 19. She was 18 through all of that. The way she talks about aging and she's so afraid of getting older and blah, blah, blah. I forget sometimes she's still a teenager and that she shouldn't be having these worries. But yeah, okay. And that's the end of the chapter. It's, it's her birthday party again. It's been a year since Jasper tried to kill her. I can't believe it. So much has happened since New Moon. That's just, that's just wild that that's just a year. And three of those months we didn't experience any of because it was her depressed state where she blacked out. So the last two and a half books have been nine months. Can't believe it. Um, we don't get an explanation for what the key is yet. Any ideas on what lock that might be a key to like my first thought was it's going to be another car but she just got a car she got that tank of a car at the start of this book and when it's described as an everyday brass key it makes me think it's the key to the house and I'm thinking like do they lock the house has this house ever been locked i've never seen them unlock this front door never not once so surely it's just a symbolic gesture then i don't know we'll find out next week let me know your thoughts concerns questions theories feelings Head over to patreon.com slash breaking down books if you wanna get in on the Allegiant recaps. It's still a dumpster fire over there. I don't know know how to sell it to you guys. It's like, do you wanna hear me read a shit book? Like, I, I guess maybe you do since that's all that I do, but it is a genuinely shit book. At least like the Twilight series is fun. There's some confusing times, but it's not as confusing as this Allegiant mess. With the Legion, each chapter they're like, Oh, here's an explanation for how the world works, and I just I it it becomes even more ambiguous and contradictory and confusing. But we do laugh. So head over to Patreon and check that out. And I'll see you guys next week for Bella's surprise birthday party. And you know her birthdays are notoriously crazy days. We're gonna get some great content out of it. Like Oh, so excited. All right, bye. Send your burning thoughts, frustrations and grievances on this latest chapter of this shitty book to breakingdownpod at gmail.com or on Twitter at podbreakingdown and Instagram at breakingdownbadbooks.